Hello and welcome to Hanging Out with Hangar 9, the official London Spitfire and British Hurricane fan podcast. I'm Squiddy. And I'm Kiwi. And we start this week with a, we have a very special episode for you this week, but we start with looking at the grand finals that were this past weekend and a very hearty congratulations to the San Francisco Shock becoming two times Overwatch League champions. It was nice to see former Spitfire boys playing on the Seoul Dynasty. Kiwi, did you enjoy the weekend and the whole grand finals? I did. It was such a close game that I think even if you weren't a fan of either team, it was really easy to get invested in. And big congratulations on being back-to-back champions as well. That's pretty record-breaking right there. And with the grand finals, that ends Overwatch League Season 3. And with that, there's new beginnings happening. And with that, we introduce our special episode for this week. We introduce Oak, who is the general manager of Hangar 9. Hi there. And we also introduce... Uh, Nuki, the general manager now of the London Spitfire. Hello, everyone. Hello, Nuki. Uh, first things first, congratulations on the promotion. Uh, when did you find out about the news? Um, it was not too long ago. Uh, a few weeks back, I started to take over from Robin and get onboarded with all the nice uh, Spitfire stuff. Was it a lot of excitement? Were there nerves? How, how are you feeling? It's... Uh, to, to, to be quite honest, it's pretty nerve-wracking um, going into this, um, especially with all the changes that we made last year and also going into this year. Um, I'm, I'm uh, excitedly afraid. Is, is that a thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a genuine emotion right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, what would be nice to know is, like, how did you get into esports and Overwatch in the first place? How did you become like, uh, the general manager of Hurricane to then leap that led you to this uh, promotion? Um, esports in general was always a thing that was really interesting to me. It started, like, in the era where League of Legends was, like, thriving. Um, I always wanted to be, like, an esports player because I looked up to those people, Um which I tried when Overwatch came out. I got invited to the beta and I was trying really hard to get into teams and like to, to earn some pizza money, I always like to call it, because <laughs> it was like mini tournaments for like $20 winnings. <laughs> um, but from there on out, um, I always had a I had a really big passion for like organizing things um, in, in general. So when there was like not too many tournaments in Europe at the start of Overwatch, I seeked out some sponsors and organized my own set of tournaments and started working as a tournament admin and organizer for the first year or so, or one and a half years that I was in esports. Um, helped Blizzard with some LAN events uh, at Tech TV, like the TakeOver 1 and 2 that you might know. And also helped them with Contender Season Zero as a tournament admin. And from there on out, I was very familiar with the European scene. And some players asked me, hey, for Contender Season 1, would you like to help us build a team? Um, that's how those guys were born that you now know as the British Hurricane. Wow. That, 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 that's, uh, it, it seems like you've had a big impact on the European Overwatch scene, more or less from its very beginning. Yeah, I would I would say I, I had some kind of impact in the European scene. Um, not not main, not much Overwatch as a whole, but uh, I've I've done a tiny bit of everything when it was when it come to Overwatch, like tournament organizing, observing, playing, managing. There's there's a bit of everything. Absolutely. And then speaking of the British Hurricane, this season they have been absolutely phenom- phenomenal. 
uh, with an incredible win streak going into the season with the Hurricane. Was this to be expected, or is this you're quite also quite shocked by it? Um, I, I would say shocked is the wrong word for it. I'm definitely excited that it's going so smoothly. We definitely had our up and downs of Hurricane when it came to earlier seasons and when it came to um. Like the, the the first year was a really big up and down, right? Because we won the first season, then we tanked really hard in the second season and, <laughs> and came back up afterwards. But having this great set of coaches and staff around the players to help them develop is has been a thing that we have been building for for the last like three years now. Okay, so again, uh, um, familiar with the British Hurricane, would you consider yourself as like part of that? yourselves as a family with the hurricane and you look out for each other and there's a good like team ethic with each with all of you oh definitely i think we are we're one of the academy teams that had like one of the best team atmospheres at least from the feedback that i got from players um everybody that was a past teammate or team member of the hurricane voiced over the time that they had a really great time within our system and I'm keeping track of most of the people that are still playing and that are in the Overwatch League. So um, <laughs> they've been they've been still hanging around in our Discord server and like joking around with the current iterations and and guys and everybody's still bashing Hafi and yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The Hurricane have I would say quite a legacy with bringing in new talent into the Overwatch League. We got fusions on currently on the Boston Uprising, Kellex, who went into the Overwatch League and is now on the up, uh, on Hurricane. Uh, and with your promotion to the London Spitfire, what do you think you could bring from Hurricane into this new role you have? Um, what I definitely want to focus on when it comes to switching my roles uh, in the teams is that I bring over the, um, the team structure and the team environment that we have in Hurricane. I personally think that team environment is one of the most important things when it comes to an esports team. Um, you often hear like horror stories about players being like hard to work with or being like very. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Can I swear on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, players, players being bitchy about things or um, <laughs> some kind of that stuff and. I'm always a big advocate of if they are in the right environment, they will be easier to work with. And if they're in the right environment and have the right support, um, there is almost no player that wants to put in work that is hard to work with. Of course, there is um, there is the, the other side of the coin where players just don't want to put in work. And that's like another story. But um, I think if we can create a cohesive environment that helps everyone develop properly, um, there is like no big downsides. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sounds, um, at least from my perspective, like really, really important because you see in lots of other industries, there's like very clear career progression. You know, you get into a job, you have like performance management, you have like professional development. And I think having those kind of systems in place in esports is really, really important because you've got a lot of really young, really passionate people who are coming into this at a very kind of young age, like, you know, late teens. And getting into like a really positive atmosphere that is supportive, that does kind of give them a model of like how to conduct themselves and how to be kind of be professional, but also have fun and how to kind of climb up that professional ladder, much like you did yourself, Nuki, uh, I think is really, really important. As well as like safeguarding things like, you know, player mental health and, you know, how to look after things like your finances. Like people need to know how to 
grow and cultivate their winnings and stuff and to kind of make more of it all. Definitely. One of our big mottos and, and one of my personal priorities is basically help players not only be better players, but also better people. Mm. So we develop them from, from the ground up, not only like help them be the best Widowmaker that they can, but also helping them be the best teammate that they can. That's it's really, really, really encouraging. Yeah, that's it's... a great thing to hear um, about like the culture that will be happening within uh, the London Spitfire. And with this uh, culture that you want to bring into the London Spitfire with a good team atmosphere, what would you say is the general direction you want to take London Spitfire in? So as many of you might have heard from, from social media already, um, and from the from the rumors and stuff, uh, we are definitely going to be focusing on a more Western roster. And it was very disappointing to <laughs> to most of our, our Korean fans because they've grown really fond of the current iteration of the team. Um, but we personally think that it's a good step, uh, not only for us as a team, but also like for the region as a whole to be more supportive towards European talent. Europe. Europe has been quite overlooked when it came to Overwatch League talent so far. Maybe not Overwatch League talent, but like development talent so far. And we would like to be a team that is like properly representing the region and that is something that the European region can be proud of. Not having a mixed roster is a big part of that. And our management is, um, is trying to be focused on that. We were discussing this um, last week in terms of like vague directions and where it could go and um, the reactions on social media to things like this. And we said if this was the kind of thing that looked viable, it could be a really, really positive thing for British and European esports as a whole. And like you said, Nuki, it's very underlooked at the moment. You see a lot, even with contenders, you see a lot of um, Korean contenders being the main focus do you think overall it could have a big boost for british esports or is it just a drop in the water i really hope that we can have an impact i would really like to have one um something something that is really dear to me is the tier two scene because first of all that's where i've been coming from and second of all that's something that i deeply deeply think um is very important to have as a development um Supporting the Tier 2 scene is something that is really vital for the future of the Overwatch League. And if we, as Overwatch League teams, don't properly support the Tier 2 system, the contender system, and try to help develop talent, there will be a time, some later years, that we will have a drought when it comes to that. And we will just be recycling players over and over again. I think that's really, really important because you've got that kind of horrible situation where T2 took a real knocking a little while back and every league team was dropping their academy team kind of left, right and centre. And to the point now there's only two teams, I think, in league that have maintained academies. And, you know, the whole experience is branded as the path to pro and, and then all of a sudden a kind of path is taken away from a lot of kind of up and coming talent. And I think keeping that path in place and actually investing in a really clear system whereby... You know, you can do open division stuff and then you try try out for teams and you might get into T2 and that's a launching platform for something bigger up to, you know, the actual Overwatch League itself. I think having that really clear thread and that connection is going to be really important. Definitely. Uh, sadly, T2 isn't 
isn't of course too profitable for most organizations when it comes to um, exposure and when it comes to revenue and i've been i've been trying to work on that for the past few years constantly giving feedback on it um, being vocal about it in like more inner circles than on social media of course um, because I don't think just rambling on social media will not bring the change that we need to have. Um, <laughs> so I will definitely continue pushing on it and I will continue um, trying to work with Blizzard to improve it as best as we can. It definitely looks like Blizzard are taking notice. Um, recently, I think it was today actually, they, uh, they put a big announcement out where you can gain contenders-based rewards for logging into your Battle.net and actually watching hours and hours of contenders content, which for anybody that does that anyway is, is fine. It's great. Here, have something new for your efforts. But for people who might not have watched but love playing the game and love OWL, this might be the thing that gets more eyes on Tier 2. Oh yeah, definitely. I really like the implementation of some reward system. It it worked great for Overwatch League when it was on Twitch, um, having all the tokens earned and having people be able to buy skins, and having these rewards now is is definitely a good step forward uh, to get more viewership to contenders. Uh, and with these incentives, uh, to bring more fans into not only contenders but hopefully to the British Hurricane and then from the Hurricane into the Spitfire. What could fans expect? For the future of the London Spitfire. So, this is this is going to be a question that is like that has a very long answer. So bear with me on this one. Um, <laughs> so what I want to do with the whole like going more Western, more European kind of path is I want to build a cohesive system between the London Spitfire and the British Hurricane. Basically, our own like little path to pro, where people and and talent that we see um, with high potential in the European scene we can bring on to British Hurricane and then develop them for the London Spitfire. Um, that with going with going full European or like with going mainly European, um, the big challenge will be meeting expectations that our fans are having. Um, people need to understand, and maybe this comes off as very harsh, that not every team in the league is building to be a top five team. Um, there is teams that don't go for championships, that go for developing talent that go for like other paths um most prime example for this is the valiant where they are just developing players and um and trying to to do their best with that um i think we can be on a similar path where we combine the strengths that we have in our academy team and that we can build within london spitfire to have like this clear path for everyone in eu to progress to learn and to have like a system where they can thrive to be in that all sounds very promising for my plat skills <laughs> there is borders though <laughs> oh sweetie tough luck man sorry sweetie, oh. did you say plat then did you mean gold i am plat <laughs> i do think it's interesting as well like what you say about managing uh, our kind of expectations in a way i think it's difficult as a spitfire fan because you have a legacy as inaugural season champions and that has a lot of weight behind it because you were the first winners and you were this kind of premier experience. And then obviously that experience was then different the next year and then that kind of fell apart and then we got a whole load of new players and our expectations of what to expect from this team have been all over the place because you've come from, you know, the absolute, you know, top of the top 
to them kind of finding it difficult to find our feet as a team. And I think having that vision of, you know, maybe the goal isn't actually to aim for the top. It's actually to focus on the players and getting a really good experience in place for them and, and focus on being a good kind of wholesome competitive team. Yeah, I think it's it's really hard uh, as a fan. Like, I, I totally understand um, going from a championship team into a like more development roster that is for Korean and then into a development roster um, again, but like in a different region is definitely hard. Um, our perspective on this, or like my perspective on this, is that we want to we basically want to have a team that the region that we are representing can be proud of, right? Um, and that's that's hopefully not only through winning the Overwatch League, but also like see that we help nourish the region, that we help build up these players, and that we can do something for European esports as a whole. I was just going to say, from a fan perspective, to me, the idea of having that developmental focus and watching the players grow is something I really enjoy. It's something I've I've really enjoyed watching this season as well. And you don't see a lot of that positivity towards that on things like social media. You just tend to see them mouthing off when things don't quite go the way people expect them to. So I would I would like to see a lot more of that positivity from people online because the players that we had in the last season have really really grown and to have that focus is going to be an amazing thing moving forward definitely one one path that i want to take with this um not only in terms of the team but also in terms of like talking to fans um giving these interviews and stuff is that i want to be as transparent as i can be about like setting expectations about the communications towards the fans how it's going like what we're aiming for etc etc i think often like narratives are spun not necessarily by the teams itself, but by like fans, social media and whatever, that it's really important just to have like the best team or like just to be a top team. So I want to be vocal about this and vocal about like, if if you guys want to have a top team, that's not what I can give to you right now, but I'm going to work on it. And I'm going to put like my whole passion that I have for Overwatch, which has built up, only built up the last like three plus years into it. Exactly. I think you use that example with Hurricane, like there was a point where they were, you know, crashing and actually you had to take stock and reevaluate and rebuild and you you don't shoot up to the top of, you know, the T2 scene in Europe, you know, overnight. It does actually take a lot of investment and, you know, in some cases years worth of work to refine and to build. And I think that's a good expectation to have is that, you know, definitely championships are in the sights but they're not what's immediately on the horizon there are other hurdles to approach first uh so nikki with this and oak uh, with this um i'd say long-term plan uh you have for the spitfire and the recent involvement of guinevere what can we what does this mean for london fans moving forward i'm uh, gonna gonna let oak jump on this first yeah sure thing um, I think we all saw the kind of the announcement that uh, Cloud9 had kind of partnered with Guinevere a little while back and Guinevere were kind of taking operational control of Spitfire. I'm going to be very honest, I don't really know what that means. Um, it was all gibberish to me, corporate ease. Um, but as like a fan, like for me, I would consider myself like a big London Spitfire fan, but my kind of fandom comes from the viewing party scene in London. And that's kind of like how I know a lot of the other Spitfire fans. 
And so like where Hangar 9 is kind of starts off in that kind of forum is basically in the bars, kind of having a few drinks with your mate and, you know, cheering and crying and, you know, what have you. And um, I think for me, what really signaled Guinevere's kind of entry into this, because I had no idea who they were and what they were about, is uh, when kind of Guinevere had reached out to me as kind of general manager of Hangar 9. And I had uh, some really good kind of meetings with Duncan, who was kind of introducing himself um, as kind of the man on the ground for Guinevere and London Spitfire things happening here in London in the UK. Um, and I really liked that because I think, you know, even though the London franchise was purchased by Cloud9, obviously they're based in North America, you had kind of Korean players, and then you didn't really kind of have, let's say, like a home scene to kind of build on that's why i made hangar nine to kind of bring that piece of the puzzle into play and for guinevere to kind of focus on setting up a, a team of folks here in london uh and to kind of reach out to me i was kind of like pleasantly surprised i was i was perfectly happy to be overlooked and no one to kind of talk anything with me um and then for them to kind of reach out and kind of involve me as a fan and what i do with hangar nine and all the kind of officers at hangar nine i think has been really really interesting so i mean purely from like wanting to engage with the community and wanting to do right by the fans and wanting to make something of like london uh the uk and european talent um i was like really genuinely surprised because they could have swept in and you know made a, a new fan association like a, an official one and, and done it all in-house um so yeah, them reaching out, I think, really spoke volumes to me and I was really, really impressed. And just having folks on the ground here is, a, it makes a really big difference. I'm so used to having like video calls with teams based in LA and then, you know, in Seoul and trying to manage that. And then to have folks here in London, it's kind of like, I like where this is going um, and what it means for like, you know, fans based in the home city of the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. I think with the viewing party as well, that's how I got involved with Hangar 9. I remember meeting you for the first time at a viewing party where you thought I wasn't old enough to be in the pub itself. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, it's but... true, actually. I did, yeah. Lena, who was deputy general manager at the time, I was like, has that man come with an adult? Like, is there is there someone supervising him? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It's a, no, no, <laughs> my bad. Is my, but no, you're absolutely right. Having that actual engagement with people... Uh, is being so beneficial, I think, for many people. Obviously, this year has been COVID-affected, which kind of scuppered our plans very early on, uh, which was slightly annoying. But the, to see how we've rallied with the online, with the online viewing parties. I still remember watching the 4.31 meter hold against Washington mm. on Dorado with many people from the Discord. That was a, a fond memory uh, from this season. Uh, Nuki, uh, how have you been able to interact much with Guinevere so far? Oh yeah, I had a few meetings with them and I had talks with them when it comes to the direction that we want to go and like how they can support us. It's really nice to have someone that is like dedicated to the project um, on the ground and also dedicated to the project as a whole. Um, and yeah, they, they're investing much time and effort into it as far as I know, which is really nice. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear when you, you know that you've got someone behind you that will have your back and support your vision as well. And I think really the next question is what's next? Is there anything you can kind of sneakily leak for you know, the Spitfire fans that are listening to this? So of course we're gonna we're gonna do the whole like rebuild this off season. Um, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. Um, what I what I have in store for you like in the short term is announcing 
uh, announcing all the moves and definitely uh, we will be talking about staff fairly soon because that's that's about to be locked down um, which head coach we're gonna have which assistant coaches we're gonna have um, and how the whole structure is gonna be so that's something that you that you guys can look out for on socials um, and then of course once we once you've gone through the whole trial process once we uh, the signing window opens and we make player offers and stuff um, I hope that everyone is gonna be gonna be happy with the players that we pick up and Hopefully there's a bunch of hurricane dudes in there. Oh, fingers crossed. That's what everybody on socials hoping for by the looks of it. <laughs> and I think the transparency that you've you've brought to um to the London Spitfire is gonna do absolutely amazing things to the community. I think a lot of the negativity that you see on places like Twitter all comes down to uncertainty and speculation and people just throwing crazy ideas around because they have no idea what comes next. So Hopefully this will put a lot of people at ease. Yeah, I hope so too. Like having having a plan that I can present you guys and having like ideals and principles that I can stand behind that I gonna voice. Um, I think it will give the fans some, and, and I hope that it will give fans some stability when it comes to expectations and when it comes to, hey, we know now where the team is going for the next amount of time. So, I think that kind of stability is going to be really important. Um... Because it's it's been a turbulent time being a Spitfire fan. I mean, we lost players that we'd really got to know over a couple of years and who had done so well and were such personalities. And we loved them and we had drinks with them and it was great. And then we get this, you know, new talent come through who are all really young and really passionate and, you know, ready to kind of make their mark. And we just didn't get the opportunity to kind of to get to know them. Um, with everything, with the delay, with having to move over to South Korea from New Jersey and months of not seeing Spitfire play and then not really getting anything much from kind of the organization through like social media and content meant it was really, really tough being a Spitfire fan because you didn't have much to go on except some really good games and some really good wins, but kind of nothing filling up that time in between. And I think it's going to be really difficult and really sad to again face such an overhaul with terms for like our players um and i think we can all be massively grateful for all of their hard work but i do think if our focus is going to be making london into a home for kind of european talent and a platform for european talent um i think that's kind of important because you know you look at all the amazing systems in place in korea for you know training people up you know developing mechanical skill developing their online presence and you know their whole branding as an esports personality and you see that really coming into fruition in in uh, north america and that really being a focus and you kind of get to europe and it's like there are some seeds just kind of scattered in some dirt and it's like <laughs> one of these will grow into a successful esports venture and i think actually you know there are lots of young people here in europe who are really talented and really want to have a career in esports and i i don't think there's anything wrong or shameful about looking at a really successful model in career and going well you know we could try and do that here and give young folks here a ladder to climb to be esports professionals and i think that's kind of missing in a way and i as a fan and somebody who is has no mechanical skill whatsoever and isn't really that much of a good gamer <laughs> um just as someone who 
as a job as a teacher likes investing in the future of young people i'm like i've got loads of students who feedback that they want to go into esports they want to be a professional gamer and it's nice that there are more and more options for them to actually pursue those passions and make big on their dreams and i think london spitfire yourself hurricane guinevere contributing to that is really massive and i think it's it's a really positive step in a really right direction yeah, I can only second everything you're saying. Also, coming from a from a teacher's background, it's <laughs> it's really important to me to to help the kids uh, find their their right path to this. Um, I'm 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 positive about everything. I know it's gonna it's gonna get some backlash, and I know it's gonna get uh, probably pretty hairy after the the big announcement. But I'm I'm fairly positive that um, we can we can be what Europe deserves for a team. I think I speak for all of us. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, when we say that we love you already. Um, and we're pretty sure that anyone who listens to this, anyone who sees anything you've done previously will fall in love with you as well. And the old Spitfire players have shown us that our Spitfire boys are, are tough, as are our British Hurricane boys. So hopefully all of them will land on their feet, as have our old players. Alright, so thank you all very much for watching this week's episode. We will be having an AMA with Nuki and the newly appointed coaching staff of the London Spitfire, so keep an eye out on the social medias for announcement about that. So uh, would you like to plug your Twitters, any social medias? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm over on Twitter, The Oaken Forest, and don't forget to check out the Hangar 9 Twitter and join us on the Hangar 9 Discord as the official London Spitfire and British Hurricane Fan Association. Nuki? And you can find me on Twitter at Nuki, just N-O-U-K-K-Y. And as the new GM of London Spitfire, I promise not to recruit Sideshow and Bren as our main tagline. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that is good news to hear. We're all relieved. Everyone could take a breath of air. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Squiddy57. You can follow me on Twitter at KiwiKashu. That's K-I-I-W-I. Don't forget to follow our producer and editor-in-chief person who makes this all possible, Cam. You can follow him at his more official one of at Captain Zepp or his more Overwatch-oriented one of at CamverWatch. And as Oak mentioned, don't forget to join the Discord. We have many events that we run, I believe, in the next coming weeks. We're having a Torb one we one tiny overwatch we've got a pub quiz coming up as well we've got lots going on in the hangar so please come on and join in the conversation mm. and until next time wash your hands aces high thanks out clear the skies and hang loose and hang loose